Welcome to the Worship Podcast for Grace Episcopal Church in Newton, Massachusetts for August 30th, 2020. I'm Britta Carlson, sabbatical pastor at Grace. This is my last Sunday as your sabbatical pastor. The Reverend Regina Walton, pastor and rector of Grace, will be back with you this week after a time away for her sabbatical. I know that she's been grateful for this time. There will be opportunities in the coming weeks to connect with her and to hear some of her initial reflections from her sabbatical. I've been so grateful for this time with all of you. Over the summer, I've enjoyed preaching and leading worship on this podcast, among the other activities I engaged at the church. I especially want to thank the incredible vestry and wardens for their help and guidance during this time and other ministry leaders whose communication has made my job easier especially because we could not meet in person. To the staff of Grace, and to your amazing administrator, Rowan Larson, in particular, thank you for your support. You've made me feel at home, even in these unusual times. Before we continue with our worship today, I want to highlight a couple of opportunities to connect at Grace. In addition to our Sunday Zoom gatherings for adults, children, and youth, we also have some great ministries you can be a part of this week. On Monday, August 31st at 9 a.m., there will be a socially distanced gardening gathering at the church. On Tuesday at 7 p.m., our wonderful seminarian Dory will be leading a Bible study on Zoom. And this Wednesday at 7, the Centering Prayer Group will resume its weekly Zoom gathering after a few weeks off. For information about these opportunities, please see our weekly e-newsletter or contact the church office. Dear friends, Let us prepare our minds and our hearts for worship.
Lord, open our lips, and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. reading from the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verse 1 through 15. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see it, God called to him out of the bushes, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt, I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. 
But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this my title for all generations. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. God remembered his holy word and led forth his people with gladness. Hallelujah! Give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, and speak of all his marvelous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Search for the Lord and his strength. Continually seek his face. Remember the marvels he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O offspring of Abraham, his servant, O children of Jacob, his chosen, Israel came out of Egypt, and Jacob became a sojourner in the land of Ham. The Lord made his people exceedingly fruitful. He made them stronger than their enemies, whose heart he turned so that they hated his people and dealt unjustly with his servants. He sent Moses his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. God remembered his holy word, and led forth his people with gladness. Hallelujah! A reading from Paul's letter to the Romans. Chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. 
hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God.
Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This must never happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will it give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what he has done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Dear siblings in Christ, grace to you and peace from God and from our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you experienced the mystery of God? I have, but it's not always easy to talk about a mysterious encounter with God. Because while we often experience a divine encounter as an event that is very real indeed, we don't have the tools to talk about it. In the first place, our experience may not make sense to us. It may be a vivid dream or a sensation that we are in the presence of something greater than ourselves. It may be an experience that is surreal, that doesn't seem to follow the rules of logic. We know in our being that the experience is of God, but human language and rational thought are not sufficient to describe the experience. And so, not knowing how to explain it to others, we keep it to ourselves. Then there's the problem of modernity. Most of us have inherited Western traditions of rational thought and the scientific method, as well as a cultural discomfort with public expressions of what is regarded as private faith. We don't want people to think we're crazy or fanatical, so when we dare to speak about our religious beliefs and practices, we stick to morality and justice. Concrete practices. We don't talk about the mystery. I'll even add that for myself this was the most unyielding sermon I've tried to write all summer, because mystery is just so very hard to describe. Well, today we're going to talk about mystery because... I think that is very much what our story from Exodus chapter 3 is all about. Moses' encounter with God in the burning bush is one of the most well-known texts in the Bible. It's the kind of story that a lot of people know, even if they hardly ever attend church or if they've never even been to church. The image of God in the form of a bush that's on fire but not consumed is a memorable one. But as compelling as this story may be, its meaning is not always clear. Even to those of us who read these words as divine revelation to God's people. 
And I think that the meaning of the story is unclear on purpose because it's meant to evoke the mysterious nature of God. So in order to dig into that mystery, let's put ourselves in Moses' shoes for a moment. No pun intended. Moses was a fugitive. He had killed an Egyptian after seeing that Egyptian beating one of his Hebrew kinsfolk. For those of you who are not familiar with Moses' story, Moses was born into a Hebrew family, an enslaved group of people. He was taken in by Pharaoh's daughter at a time when Pharaoh was killing all of the male Hebrew babies. He had been nursed by his own mother, but raised in the Egyptian court. You might say that Moses was bicultural. He was at least Hebrew enough to get murderously angry when one of his kinsfolk was being beaten, and Egyptian enough that he was described as an Egyptian by the Midianites. So there he is, a bicultural fugitive who has found safety, a spouse, and a home among a third culture in Midian. I imagine him to be relieved. He is out tending his father-in-law's sheep. He's at work minding his own business. Then suddenly there is this flaming bush and God starts talking to him. God calls Moses by name, commands him to take off his sandals and says these words. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now remember, Moses was raised among the Egyptians. It's not clear how much he identified with Hebrew culture and religion. And furthermore, later in the book of Exodus, it seems like the Lord is revealed to the Hebrew people for the first time, or at least for the first time in many generations. So Moses, who is not fully Hebrew, at least culturally, and who may never have even heard of this God before, suddenly finds himself speaking to a burning bush who is self-described as the God of his ancestors. This is a moment that is bursting with God's mystery. Who is this mysterious God? Well, that's the very question that Moses asks. After God tells Moses that he is being sent to bring the Israelites out of their slavery in Egypt, Moses asks God to give him a name that he can use to identify for the people this God of their ancestors. And God responds, I am who I am. Other translators will say, I am what I am, or I will be what I will be. I think that's a pretty great way to describe the mystery of God. God will be what God will be, and we as human beings cannot control that. As humans, we want order. We want certainty and predictability. In a moment, I'm going to get to some of the things that we can predict about God, but for now, I just want us to sit with this reality. God is what God is. And God will be what God will be. And we will be surprised and confounded by that over and over again. It's so easy to go through life and miss the mystery. We get into our routines. Like Moses, we find a space of safety and security. We work. We go home, or we leave the home office. We make dinner, we watch a show and go to bed. But every so often, something happens. Out of the corner of your eye, you might see something mysterious going on. 
When Moses saw the burning bush, our text tells us that he told himself to turn aside and look at it. Good people of grace, when you encounter the mystery of God, I urge you to turn aside and look. Because these moments of mystery can be transformative. They can help us to understand who we are and how God is calling us to act in this world. So turn aside, look, and expect to be amazed. Now, we are not merely theists. This is a Christian congregation, which means we actually do have some claims to make about who God is. Primarily, we understand God through the lens of Jesus Christ. Jesus, God incarnate, is our primary revelation as Christians. It is through Jesus that we best understand who God is and who we are in relation to God. In this week's Gospel text from Matthew chapter 16, Jesus tells his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer and be killed and on the third day be raised again. He goes to great lengths, even to the point of giving his life because he loves people so much. Jesus wants so much for us to be liberated from sin and oppression that he will give his life. Now, you might be asking yourself what this story about Jesus has to do with God and Moses on Mount Sinai. That's an important question. In our story, even before Moses asks for God's name, a core characteristic of God's nature has already been revealed when God says this to Moses. I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me, I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them, so come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. This is a God who hears our cries, who sees oppression, and who acts to put an end to it. For our Jewish siblings, the story of the Exodus represents their identity as God's people. They exist because God loves them so much that God sent Moses and a whole bunch of miraculous signs and wonders in order to free them from slavery. This story also has a long history among our siblings in the black church. African American Christians have long seen it as symbolic of God's desire to liberate them from their oppression. The black church tradition is centered in a God who works to free people wherever slavery and oppression persist. This is particularly important for us after a week when yet another black man was shot by law enforcement. So yes, God is mystery, but God also hears and sees. God is not distant and unaffected by our pain. God is justice. God is love. My siblings in Christ, this is my last sermon as your sabbatical pastor. I have really enjoyed spending this summer with all of you. Over the course of the summer in my work with you, we focused a lot on the pandemic and on racial justice. I've encouraged you to be patient and gentle with yourselves as you're weathering this unprecedented plague. 
In teaching and preaching, we've had many opportunities to engage in conversations about anti-racism work as a Christian practice. And all of this is so important. How we live our lives as Christians ought to be filled with grace, love, and justice. But the good news of God in Jesus Christ is not about our ability to understand or to perfectly fulfill these callings. Rather, the good news rests in God's character as liberating love incarnate. And so my prayer for you today as I bid farewell is twofold. First, I pray that you might continually be surprised and delighted by the mysteriousness of our God. And second, know that you are loved. May you never forget the lengths our God has gone to in the past to ensure that you might have life and have it abundantly. And may you always remember that there is so much love there. There is enough for all the world, and there is enough for you. Amen. Together let us confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord of all power and might, the author and giver of all good things, graft in our hearts the love of your name. Increase in us true religion. Nourish us with all goodness and bring forth in us the fruit of good works. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Lord God, almighty and everlasting Father, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power, that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome by adversity, and in all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Prayers of the People Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church, that we all may be one. Grant that every member of the Church may truly and humbly serve you, that your name may be glorified by all people. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons, 
that they may be faithful ministers of your word and sacraments. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world, that there may be justice and peace on the earth. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake, that our works may find favor in your sight. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble, that they may be delivered from their distress. Give to the departed eternal rest. Let light perpetual shine upon them. We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. May we also come to share in your heavenly kingdom. Let us pray for our own needs and those of others. We remember all who have died, especially Notra Hunt, Benita Lyon, Rose Green, and Obam Lopez Santiago. We pray for all those celebrating birthdays this week, Ruthann, Edith, and Emily. We pray for all who worship and minister at Grace Church, giving thanks especially for our coffee hour hosts who keep the coffee hot and the cookies coming before and after our worship, fueling our praise and our fellowship. Heavenly Father, you have promised to hear what we ask in the name of your Son. Accept and fulfill our petitions, we pray, not as we ask in our ignorance, nor as we deserve in our sinfulness, but as you know and love us in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name. Amen. God, who is rich in mercy, loved us even when we were dead in sin, and made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. In the name of Jesus Christ your sins are forgiven. Almighty God, strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit, that Christ may live in your hearts through faith. Amen. God of all power and love, we give thanks for your unfailing presence and the hope you provide in times of uncertainty and loss. Send your Holy Spirit to enkindle in us your holy fire. Revive us to live as Christ's body in the world, a people who pray, worship, learn, break bread, share life, heal neighbors, bear good news, seek justice, rest and grow in the Spirit. Wherever and however we gather, unite us in common prayer and send us in common mission, that we and the whole creation might be restored and renewed through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
Now may the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the God of all grace bless you now and forever. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you to everyone who contributed to our worship podcast for today. We thank the Grace Church Choir, featuring section leaders Kristen Duabin, Diane Drost, Stephen M., and John Yanis. We also thank our music director and organist, Chris Hosfeld, Today's podcast featured pianist John Yanis. Thank you to our lector, Lisa Teason, and our lay reader, Jay Burke.